Welcome back, everybody. Our Bible study this week is going to continue in the theme of the parables and looking at how Jesus managed to use stories, uh, illustrations, images to bring home to his listeners some very important spiritual truths. Today, we're going to be heading into Matthew's Gospel and going to be landing around about Matthew 13 and uh, having a look at two parables, but two of the shortest parables that uh, I think there are. And so let us turn there, Matthew chapter 13 from verse 44. But um, while you are doing that, I'm going to just lead us in an opening prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the beauty of your word that speaks into our lives. And so, God, as we set this time aside today, may your word not just be something that we listen to, but something that also that we hear and that we apply into our lives. Your word is equally valid and truthful for us in this modern age as it was in the days of your disciples. And so we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So yes, we have two parables, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. So I'm going to read it uh, because they're so short. I'm going to read it from two different versions and then we will take it uh, from there. So the first one is from the NIV. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Then we read it from the Living Bible. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. He discovered a real bargain, a pearl of great value, and sold everything he owned to purchase it. Okay, so those are the, the two parables for today. They cover a very similar theme, but obviously from two different places. And um, we're looking at, at what Jesus was saying to his followers about the cost of following him. Now, the premise of all of this is that we speak very freely, freely of the fact that we can never earn or we can never buy salvation. It is a gift given to us through God and through the work of Jesus on the cross. I think we understand that. Um, and so it's not something that I would be able to save enough money for or be able to bargain for. I could never, ever afford the salvation that God gives to me. So it really is priceless. However, we, we would be mistaken, and this is Jesus' point, if we think that although the gift is for free, or it is paid for us already, that it won't cost us anything. So this, I think, for most of you who are listening today, you, you understand, but it's something that we wrestle with. So yes, it is for free, but it is costly. And this, I think, would, would come sometimes into how we respond to the gospel, because some people would see it as being free and therefore it's worth nothing, whereas others of us would see it as coming as a free gift, but there is something that we need to, to give in return. It's a cost for us. And this is what we're going to wrestle with 
today. Um, the, uh, uh, an example that came uh, in one of the commentaries I was reading was speaking about um, people who enjoy mountaineering and climbing mountains. And Mount Everest is one of those where people would spend thousands and thousands of rand uh, and dollars in, in joining an expedition and training and really putting their lives at risk for the chance of being one of the people to summit Mount Everest. And um, some there, there are varying stats out there, but people would say that only one in 10 who attempt to make it actually, um, well, so sorry, nine in 10 make it, but one out of the 10 actually end up dying on, on the en route. And that over the last few decades, more than 200 people have died in trying to conquer Everest. So the idea of that is that, you know, it's something that's there, it's to be climbed, but there's a great cost involved in wanting to do it because you have to train, you've got to pay money, but also for many people, they actually give up their lives, they sacrifice their lives for this. And so with that as a background, we look at what Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God will require of us. Now we know the kingdom of God is God's reign and God's rule here on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and entrance into the kingdom of God comes through receiving Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Okay, so the, the playing field is, is even for anybody any person who wants to receive the kingdom of God, whether you are poor or whether you are rich, whether you live in the West or whether you live in a, a third world country, whether you are white or black or pink or whatever color you are, the playing field is even. Because sometimes, and this was Jesus' point when it spoke about um, wealthy people, he said in Matthew chapter 19, so a bit further on, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's not, Jesus was never saying that rich people can't enter the, enter the kingdom of God, but he was saying that it's, it's, it's a hard thing for them. Why? Because they trust in their money. Their money is what gets them all the prestige and all the things that they want. But for, uh, for us, when it comes to salvation, it's not something that we can, we can buy um, in, in any way. So we come now to have a look at, um, at this, this passage. So verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. So what we glean from this is that the, the man who discovers the treasure is not the owner of the field. He's either plowing the field, we could assume that, or he's, he's wandering through the field or something. But he he stumbles across this hidden treasure. Um, John MacArthur tells a story about how this actually happened a few years ago, a modern day story of this. In Northern California, a couple were walking their dog in their, it was their own property, and um, they came across this little corroded can that was just pushing its way through the soil, and they dug it up, and they found that there were a whole lot of other cans there with it, but they contained gold coins. And when they eventually dug everything up, they realized that there was $10 million worth of gold coins on their land that had dated back to the 1840s and so on. Now, 
Now that's the kind of picture we get here, and I think all of us are suddenly dreaming of, you know, maybe there's some coins hidden in our properties or in our gardens, but but this is the idea that this man is, let's just assume he's plowing the field or walking through the field. He discovers this treasure in the field. Now, what he does is that in his excitement, he hides it again and sells everything he owns to then get enough money to buy the field because he wanted that, that treasure. So remember, it's an illustration, it's a story, and, and there possibly are some little uh, glitches in the story that we don't fully understand. But the one thing that some people would ask is, well, you know, isn't it unethical? Isn't this man being unethical? You know, why is Jesus actually using the story? Because surely the man, if it wasn't his field, should have gone and told the owner of the land, look, I found this treasure in the, in the land. Well, actually, according to Jewish rabbinic law, um, you, you didn't need to do that. That if anything was found outdoors um, or in a field, that you know you you could actually lay claim to it. Um, if it was on a person's like in the actual property in the house or um, you know close to the person's property, there was a different story. But the the way the story is unfolding is that the field is just there. And the owner is not really made clear in the story. Um, so, in essence, the summary is, is that in Jewish law, the treasure belonged to the finder. You know, in English we have that saying, finders keepers, losers weepers. So, that's, that's what the understanding was. We also know that dating all the way back, not just to the time of Jesus, but beyond that, and even up until recently, can I say, maybe like the 18th century, is that people didn't put their money in banks all the time, but they hid the, the money in the ground. It was considered to be one of the safest places, particularly if it was gold, because gold usually increases in value. So there wouldn't be a devaluing of, of the gold. The point of the story is not to get too distracted by all of these other things, but to show us that what the man found in the field was so exciting for him, so valuable, that he went home and he sold everything that he owned. So whether that was cows or donkeys or his own house or plows or whatever, we don't know what that meant, but he saw the value in this. And so he sold everything that he had in order to get enough money to raise the money to then buy the field in order to get the treasure. Okay, Jesus tells the parable to explain how we should be responding to the good news and what um, the kingdom of God should do for us. Okay, I'm going to move on to the, the, the pearl because I think it's best to cover them both before we look at the implications. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, again is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Okay, so instead of being the person who finds it in the field, it's a pearl merchant, and pearl merchants were always on the lookout for pearls of great price, and uh, they were a great currency value. They would also increase in value, and when this pearl merchant 
found this particular one, he realized that he couldn't afford to miss this one out. And so he, he sold everything that he had in order to, to buy it. Now, any investor or any financial advisor normally would tell us, I think this is in the, in the time of Jesus too, but certainly nowadays, is don't put all your eggs into one basket because you never know what happens to the market, uh, you know, and you never know what happens globally. And so if all your money is in property, for example, you may lose at one particular time or if it's in bonds or if it's in shares, you know, I mean, you, you get the point. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And yet what is happening in this parable, both parables, is that the merchant, the pearl merchant, as well as the man who discovers the, the treasure in the field, they do exactly the opposite. They put all of their eggs in one basket. They sell everything else that they've got in order to claim this one thing. Okay, so the treasure in the field and then the pearl. And the, the point of this, Jesus' point, is that when it comes to faith, when it comes to following God, we need to get to a point where we actually choose to put all of our spiritual eggs in one basket. In other words, we should be willing to let go of everything else that the world deems valuable in order to, to claim or to, to form an allegiance, to buy into the kingdom of God, if that, if that makes sense. Bearing in mind that I, I premised this whole thing by saying we could never actually buy our salvation or the kingdom of God, but both of these guys... Um, actually offered and contributed whatever they could because there's no amount given here. I mean, when they sold everything they owned, for the one guy, he may have only owned one pair of, you know, one pair of cows or, or one pair of uh, pigeons or something like that. But they gave all they could in order to get the treasure or to get the pearl. And that's what Jesus' point is, is that what God gives to us in the kingdom of God is so valuable it's something that is so um, profound and something that is so spiritually valuable for us that we should be willing to lay it all aside in order to come and to, to get that. And that is the challenge for us, friends. Now, please also don't hear what I'm, I'm not saying. You need to go and sell your car and sell your house. and do That, that is not the point of this. The point is how much of myself am I willing to give over to count the costs of following Jesus. If you want to look at a comparative one, I think it's in Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus speaks about what the cost of following him is when the three guys came and they all had very random excuses as to why they couldn't follow him. It's, it's, it's a comparative um, parable in that particular way. So um, thanks to John MacArthur, there's, there's six <clears throat> quite important truths that I want to just leave with us as we, as we look at these three verses. Now it's quite I think it's quite profound that in just three verses, there are six things that we could take away um, from this. Now, the first one is this, is that the kingdom is priceless in value. I think I've covered that, but it's, it's not something that we could ever afford. It's priceless, and yet we, it should move us to want to do all we can in order to belong or to, to, to gain this valued commodity. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it's, it's not superficially visible. 
Now, if you noticed in verse 44, the treasure that the man discovered was hidden in the field, okay, and the other one was it shows that the merchant was on the lookout for the pearl. So it wasn't there like staring at them in the face. It was something that they needed to either be um, looking for, so that the merchant definitely was looking for something, and, and the, the man in the field, it was hidden in a way um, from him until he eventually found it. And this is, this is kind of what Jesus is getting at in telling the parables, is that it's for those people who are seriously seeking God, that are willing to put the effort in and, and are, are hungry for the things of God, that is when we will stumble across it or we will find it because we're looking for it. That's the point of, of what he's saying. And, and we can always compare this with the religious leaders and even the people of Jesus' time who were literally staring at him in the face. It was, he was there as the Messiah, the Son of God, staring at them in the face, but they were not willing to see that he was the treasure or he was the pearl of great price. The third thing that MacArthur points out is that the, the kingdom of God is something that each of us individually can attain. Okay, in the context of the Jewish faith, which is very communal, this is an important thing. And I think uh, maybe in our Western culture, we've moved too far to the one side of this. But hear what MacArthur is saying, is that the, the man and the merchant in the story had to make a conscious personal decision themselves. I want this treasure and I'm willing to do what I can to get the treasure. Um, and that is something that we always remind ourselves that in our faith, um, we need to decide, do I want it? Do I want God? Do I want to be in a relationship with Jesus or not? Um, so it's a very personal response to the kingdom of God. <clears throat> the fourth thing, um, and I love this one, is that the, the kingdom of God brings a great sense of joy and excitement. And this comes particularly in verse 44, where it says, in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he had had um he you know he was so excited about what he found that, that it brought deep deep joy into his heart and this is i think for us often a challenge in our faith is is do we see our faith and our relationship with jesus as something of joy of excitement or is it a complete bore you know the very thought of being in a relationship with god or being in community is it like oh just yawn 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 but no being part of the kingdom of God is something that that is is joyful. There's excitement. There's life in it. Um, Jesus' words in John ten verse ten come to mind again. You know, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Um, and these treasures of the pearl and the treasure in the field seem to spark something within these people that brought them this this wonderful life. Uh, the fifth thing that John MacArthur points out is that not everybody comes into the kingdom of God by the same approach. And here he picks up on the fact that the man in the field, he discovered it more by accident or by God incidence, coincidence, whereas the, the merchant was actually seriously looking for a particular pearl. Now, now we could look at the scriptures to see this same thing happening, like um, the one example would be, let's say, the apostle Paul, at the time he was called Saul, he, he was not looking for the kingdom of God. In fact, he was busy persecuting the church. When he kind of stumbled or, or God ordained this moment where he had his Damascus Road experience 
And in that moment, he he didn't sell everything he had, but he committed everything he had to become a Christ follower. So, so we could argue that Saul kind of stumbled into the knowledge of salvation and the kingdom of God. Whereas other people um, were, were looking for it. There, there are many examples of, of people that came to Jesus looking for salvation. The woman at the well, Samaritan woman at the well, um, she may have not been able to express it, but there was something within her that was looking. She was seeking God on a, on a, on a deeper level. Many people that came to ask Jesus questions, maybe even Nicodemus, searching for God, asking, they're looking for the pearl of great price. And so in your life and your testimony may, may also be able to confirm that, you know, did you kind of stumble into the kingdom of God uh, by accident, by God incidents, or were you seeking spiritually hungry and then you, you know, you came to know God through maybe an alpha course or a particular sermon series or something that brought you closer to God, and then you realize, okay, now I'm all in. This is something that I really want to want to do. Okay, and then the last thing is um, the one that I think is is going to leave us with a challenge, and that is that saving faith, in, in John MacArthur's words, saving faith has a high cost. In other words, in wanting to say yes to Jesus, we we have to count the cost, um, and and this is not the financial cost, but this is the cost of saying, am I willing to exchange all that I have, my hopes, my dreams, for following Jesus? Now, now this will play out in every person's life in different ways. Um, one of the things that I had to wrestle with when I felt a call into ministry was, was a letting go of some of the other dreams and ideas and desires that I that I may have had. Um, and it's not to say that that God hasn't blessed me in many, many other ways, in ways I could never have dreamed or imagined, but there, there, there was a counting of the cost. For you, it could have been the counting of a cost in a different way. Um, so no financial money may have exchanged hands, but there's a definite counting of the cost. Um, John MacArthur sums up this whole thing by saying this, and I quote him, he says, in simpler terms, Saving faith is an exchange of all we are for all that Christ is. And this, I think, is the essence for me of the parables, both the hidden treasure and the pearl merchant, is that when I come face to face with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, am I willing to exchange all of who I am for all that Christ is? And I think there's always this moment, particularly when we, when we commit to Christ, it's like we on a balancing board. We we teetering some point on saying yes or saying no. We look about what we may have to give up, and and then we wonder is it is it going to be worth it? And the reality is is that when we say yes to Christ, we would exchange some things, some things of the world, if you, if you like, but we would gain a whole lot of other things. And this is the transaction that takes place, if you like. Um, the there is a transaction, there is a letting go, there's an opportunity cost, e economists would use that phrase, an opportunity cost of saying no to the kingdom of God and yes to, to the world, or saying yes to the kingdom of God and no to the world. There's always going to be 
and opportunity cost. We can't live in, in both worlds. Um, that's just the reality of that. And so as we, as we come to a close, we, we think about this, is the, is the call of Jesus through these parables. Remember, he was speaking to particular people, um, and uh, it's in this whole section of Matthew 13 where he tells a lot of these parables, parable of the weeds, parable of the soils, um, parable of the fishing nets. It's all about this coming into the kingdom of God. And, and like all the other parables, we are left, those who are listening, the hearers, we are left with a choice. And I think the choice for us today is, uh, Lord, am I all in or am I not? Um, what I've discovered in the field, is it worth you know, really uh, counting the cost in or should I just carry on and maybe I'll find another treasure in another field? Or the pearl that I may have found, maybe I'll put it down and say, no, I'm looking for, for something else. You know, that is the, the freedom that God gives us to, to make that choice. Um, friends, I've been saying a lot today. Uh, just one or two more thoughts and then we'll come to a close. Um, I, I wrote this, this down and preparing. It says, there's not enough money in the world that would enable us to buy salvation but in order for us to embrace it and to receive the gift, the gift, it will end up costing us everything. And so that's just a thought that I had in, in reflecting on this. Um, what is the price or what is the value of, of the kingdom of God? Well, it's priceless. And how do I receive it? Well, I receive it by counting the cost of everything that I have and then leaving nothing in reserve, give to God my entire life. And I think that's an interesting thing as we come to this close, is that we say, I give my life to the Lord. But do we really? Uh, maybe we give a part of our lives or a fraction of our lives. And that is the challenge as Christians we will live with on a daily basis. Lord, how do I surrender more and more of myself, my dreams, my ideals, my, my entire life? How do I surrender that more and more to you? Matthew 13, three verses, 44, 45, 46. I finish off by reading them from the message because I love the paraphrase and it goes like this. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is, is ecstatic. What a find. And he proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or... God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on a hunt for exquisite pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. Thank you for listening today, friends. I pray that in some way we are able to draw closer to God as he reveals more and more of himself to us through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.